Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out here. We love you. We appreciate you. My mom is here with me today. She's up there. And so um, I'm, I'm real so happy and excited about that. I thought I would go through some of the things that my mom taught me this morning. Um, and maybe you can identify with some of these things as well. They have taught, our moms have taught us so much. I just thought I'd go through a list of them here. First, my mom taught me about time travel. She said, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to slap you in the next week. You know, so here we thought we needed scientists. We just needed mom to, to, to travel in time. Here's another one. Logic, because I said so. That's why. Makes perfect sense once you have kids of your own. That's for sure, right? Uh, how about this one? Irony. And this is probably my favorite right here. Stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Like, that makes no sense, but... But it's the truth. <laughs> um, stamina, how about this? You sit there until all the spinach is gone. There's been many a, ta- many a battle at the table, as their mom. All right, how about this one? Religion, you better pray that comes out of the carpet. Yes, 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 I've heard that. Yes, I have. All right, here's another one. Anticipation, which this is probably one of the worst right here. Just wait till your father gets home. Man, if it happened early in the day, it was a very long day, wasn't it? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, just spank me and get it over with, right? Just call him right now. All right. And then there's also genetics. You are just like your father. So dads, I don't think it's a compliment. (laughs) So um, justice, this makes sense. Um, One day, I hope you have kids and they're just like you. So... uh, (laughs) And so, you know, I say, Mom, I'm just like you. All right. Anyway, life and death. This is a good one here. I brought you into this world and I can take you out, right? (laughs) That's the truth. So, all right. Confession time. Moms, if you have said one, some, all of those phrases, time to raise your hand, all right? If you've used any of those phrases, I think those phrases, I think Eve was using those phrases. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? When she had Cain and Abel. It's just a part of life. And so, but seriously, moms, we want to say thank you. You have taught us so much. Specifically, you taught us this thing called unconditional love, right? So even though we weren't very lovely at times, we didn't act very lovely at times, you still loved us anyway. I want to say thank you this morning, and I appreciate it. And we love you, and we're thankful. You know, I heard a couple of years ago, I heard a guy say, or a preacher, talk about this. He says, you know, the most, the, the closest picture that we have to God's love on this earth, like that we could like manufacture or put up together as human beings, the closest picture to God's love we have on earth is the love for a mother for a child. A love of a mother for a child. And I said, that's the truth. I, I absolutely believe that as well. So um, I appreciate you, moms. And thank you for being here today. Of course, I didn't really want to leave the grandmothers out either. Grandmothers, we appreciate you and we love you. Um, I read an essay written by, I didn't write it, I read an essay written by an elementary school student entitled, What is a Grandmother? And I wanted to share that with you this morning. A grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own, but she likes other people's little girls and boys. A grandfather is a man grandmother. He goes for walks with the boys and they talk about fishing and stuff like that. Grandmothers don't have to do anything except be there. They are old, so they shouldn't play too hard, and they shouldn't run. That's for sure. But I like this. When they take us for a walk, they slow down, and they show us pretty things like leaves and butterflies and things. And they never say things like, hurry up, we're going to be late. And that's true. Grandmothers are so patient that way. Usually grandmothers are fat, but not too fat to tie your shoes. (laughs) They wear glasses and funny underwear, and they can take their teeth out. It's good to, good to know. Some of you are like, Jeff, that is not me. All right. 
I'll hear about that afterwards. Grandmothers don't have to be smart, but they can answer questions like, how do you make cookies? Or how come dogs chase cats? Grandmothers don't talk baby talk like other adults do when they read to us. And they don't skip parts of the story either. And they don't even complain about reading the same story over and over again. And I've seen that. That's true right there. That's absolute truth. Everybody should try to have a grandmother because they're the only grown-ups who have time for you. That's the truth. Isn't it, man? Isn't that the truth? And so moms, grandmothers, we love you. We appreciate you. And we thank you. Romans 13, 7 says this. Give to everyone what you owe them. If honor, then honor. And we owe you honor today. And that's why we honor you. So thanking you for being here this morning. Um, today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23, and, and uh, we're going to look at a passage here where Jesus gives us a picture of the Lord as a mother hen gathering her chicks to protect them. The thing is, is as we read this passage, you'll kind of see that this isn't the normal, uh, what we think in terms of Jesus talking, all right? Typically when we think of Jesus, it's love, compassion, mercy, you know, things like, um, um, you know, do unto others, don't judge. Right? But in this passage, we're going to see Jesus say some very harsh things. Actually, he's pronouncing judgment upon uh, the, the people of Jerusalem, specifically the religious leaders. And Roger likes to remind us, uh, remind me maybe, I don't know. But Jesus' most harshest, word, harshest words, if I can say that word, were reserved for the religious leaders. And so that's something we need to take to heart today. But anyway, uh, Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse 33, it says, You snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? Well, that's powerful. Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. I tell you the truth, all of this will come upon this generation. So they're going to pay for all that blood that was shed upon that generation. 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful for this day. We're thankful for moms that we could be here to worship um, together in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, we commit this time to you and we ask that your spirit would lead us into truth, that you would give us understanding, that you would speak into our hearts today because, God, we're hungry and we are desperate to hear from you. And so, Father, speak to us this morning. Bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, after spending most of his message, it goes back even further than this. We just kind of jumped into verse 33. But after spending most of his message pronouncing doom and gloom upon the religious mafia, if you want to call them that, religious leaders, um, Jesus, you see this tender heart of Jesus kind of show through. You see this brokenness because there was no vindictiveness in the things that he said, right? He didn't relish in saying those things. He was not clapping his hands and going, man, you guys are going to get it right. I'm excited. Duh, you're going to get punishment and death and hell. That's not how he was saying it. But rather he was saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You can see the brokenness in his, in his heart. Um, or you can see the broken heart. Well, today the word picture that we're going to look at is of a hen gathering her chicks under the wing to protect them. And so there's a couple of truths that I want us to see this morning that we can identify with. First of those is this. God loves you the way a mother loves her child. God loves you the way a mother loves her child. 
You know, we think of God the Father, and he is, and, and we think of them with masculine characteristics, but he's not limited to those things. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that he loves us like a mother loves a child. Um, specifically, here's just a few, options, a few verses that we see. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. Here's another one. It says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though, me, though she may forget, I will you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. I read that verse, and I know you do too, and I immediately think of Jesus, right? After he was crucified, put to the grave, he came back to life, and then there he presents himself to the disciples. He says, see my hands and see my feet. That word engraved, that means to cut, and so literally our names were cut into his hands. As believers, as his children, our names are engraved upon his hands because of the blood he shed and we have paid a sacrifice for our sins. And so we're grateful. We're thankful for what he's done for us. Well, as I said, this is a, out of all the pictures of a mother that God could have used, this is the one that he picked, and that's the one of a hen, a mother hen protecting her chicks. Now, I don't know a lot about chickens, I'm going to be honest with you. I love to eat chicken. I love to eat eggs, but I don't know anything. I did, before I say this, I didn't know anything about chickens. But I, I come across a website called Backyard Poultry, and it's to help people who are learning to have uh, chickens and raise chickens and all, so, all those type of things. And they give you a lot of information. Um, for instance, uh, one of the things there that we see is a hen communicates with her chicks. And the way this is done is through the clucking thing. You know, you hear chickens clucking all the time. I never knew why they did that. I know I sound so silly, but I never knew why they were clucking. Well, come to find out what's happening is, is they're communicating with their chicks. See, what happens is within three to four days uh, after those chicks are hatched, and mom is there, she is clucking, they are learning her cluck. She is what they call imprinting herself upon them. And so all of a sudden, they can distinguish out of all the clucks in the barnyard, guess what? They can distinguish her cluck. And so they, they learn to hear her voice and her call, if you want to call it, if you want to say it that way. Kind of reminds me of this verse right here. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. See, what happens is, is Jesus wants to speak into our life. And it starts with salvation. And actually, that's Jesus calling us to, 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 to be saved. When you are sitting in a church service like this, or maybe someone sharing the gospel with you, and all of a sudden you feel this, this compelling urge, I guess, to go forward, to say yes to Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit calling you to salvation. And that's when it begins. And you say yes to Jesus, and then after that, the more time you spend reading the Bible and prayer and coming to church and worshiping, you begin to recognize His voice in your life. We call it the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, my sheep, listen, and they know my voice. And the more time we spend with the Lord, the more we can recognize his voice. Some of the things he does, he calls us to, is just like a chicken. He calls the chicks to, a hen calls the chicks to feed. The Lord calls us to feed. See, whenever they're clucking, there's different clucks for different kinds of food. They're teaching their chicks which food is which. And so certain clucks will be like, hey, this is okay food. You know what I'm saying? But other clucks are like, man, this is a big, fat, hairy worm. Get over here, right? And so what they're doing is they're saying, this is the food that's good. This is the food that's okay. And they're teaching the chicks how to eat, really. And it all happens through these clucks, through this communication. Well, the Lord does the same for us. He speaks to us. He gives us a word, the word that we need to hear. He speaks into our lives. We come to maybe a worship service like this, and we sit. God wants to speak to you. And he'll, he may use me, and it may be something I say specifically, or maybe nothing I say specific, specifically, but God wants to speak into your life. And that's why I encourage people to come to church and worship, because God wants to speak into your life. Maybe it's a word of comfort. Maybe it's a word of, of, of caution. Whatever it is, God knows what you need. And uh, it's interesting, the Bible um, 
identifies itself three ways. Milk, honey, and meat. And so sometimes we need that milk and honey stuff, the good stuff, right? Promises like, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Sometimes we need to hear like, I, my, you know, I, 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 my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. But sometimes we need the meat. Sometimes we need the hard word. Maybe it's a hard word. Sometimes we need to understand the deep things of Scripture. God knows what we need, when we need it. And his voice, he calls us to feed because he wants to speak into our lives. Another thing that he does is a hen shelters her chicks from harm. And so this is really cool. I didn't realize this, but a hen, you know, the way a mother hen, she'll, she will literally give her life if she has to to protect her chicks. And so let's say a chicken hawk's flying around. It's got an eye on the chicks. Mother hen will scoot over and spread out her wings. All of the chicks will run under her wings, and she will literally protect them under her wings. Now, the hawk could kill the chicken pretty easily. But the hawk, the chicken hawk, sees that the chicks are a little bit more challenging to get, and he'll decide that he doesn't want to mess with it. And so I imagine the chicken hawk staring down, or the, chicken, the, the, the mother hen staring down that chicken hawk going, no way, over my dead body, <laughs> right? And I know some of you moms in here, that's what you say, right? Somebody comes after your kids, it's over your dead body. Well, um, true story. There's a guy in Arkansas, he had some chickens in the back, out the back of his house in a coop, and the coop caught fire somehow. They ran out there and they put the fire out as best as fast as they could to you know, save the damage. And as they were digging through the ashes, they found a, a dead mother hen. And she had her wings spread out and she was right next to her, her nest. And so um, you know, her fur, feathers had been you know, burned with fire and smoke and heat and all those things. Well, he lifted this hen and out ran four little chicks chirping and cheeping and everything else. Literally, this hen gave her life for those chicks, protecting them from the fire. Look at this verse right here. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. The Lord protects us from fire. As we become his children, we find refuge in him. We are saved from hell and judgment and death and all those things. The Lord protects us. Now, if you read on, on nine, uh, Psalm 91, there's all kinds of promises of God protecting his children, sending angels to give charge over us, to, to protect us and protect all the, the evil that, that wants to destroy us. And so we find refuge under his wings. Now, there's another verse I want to share with you, kind of in regards to these same verses here of a mother, of God acting like a mother, or the, a mother's love. And it's Isaiah 46, specifically verse 4. But a week or two ago, I was hanging out with my nephew, and he's like, oh, man, you got to see this verse, you got to see this verse. And I'm like, okay. And he, he showed it to me. I'm like, man, I've never seen that verse before. Like, it's not like I don't read the Bible. I've read the Bible. I've read the book of Isaiah. But for whatever reason, this verse just never stuck out to me. And he showed it to me, and I was like, man, that is awesome. And so uh, here's, I'm going to show you three, verse three. Sorry, verse three says, listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all you who remain in Israel. I've cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. And verse four says this, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. Isn't that a great and precious promise? If we are his children... He will always sustain us, carry us, protect us, and rescue us. What a precious promise that is. And my nephew, he said he needed that promise that day. That was the word the Lord gave to him. I saw it. I'm like, I got to share it on Mother's Day. This is too good to keep to us. So, and so I can't have the opportunity to share it with you. But first, I just want to look a little bit at it. The Lord says, I will sustain you. Um, to sustain um, means to give it strength, protection, encouragement, and comfort, or to care for. And so I think of a mom you know, giving sustenance to a child, sustaining a child's life through maybe providing nourishment. And so moms, I know you'll do whatever you got to do to make sure your kids got food, if it, even if it means going without food yourself. 
Um, just a, 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 not that long ago, we had this formula shortage, right? We were, parents were struggling to find formula. Well, my uh, wife's cousin uh, was struggling too. She had a little baby and they didn't have any of the specific formula that she needed. She lives down there in Poplar Bluff and, and they, they couldn't find any of the formula down there in Southeast that she needed. And so my wife, my sister-in-law got on, you know, got on the computer or whatever. They started looking. They found some in St. Louis. They drove to St. Louis, got the food, and then they ended up meeting halfway to, to, get, to get this food to her cousin. It's because moms will do whatever they got to do to provide food and nourishment to bring sustenance. That is exactly what the Lord does. The Lord will sustain us. He will provide everything we need. And it's by his grace that he does these things. Um, um, uh, Ephesians 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So first and foremost, we're saved by God's grace. And God's grace is absolutely amazing. I got to think in this past week, what if we weren't saved by grace? What if we were saved by works? Okay, what if we had to be good people in order to get to, and do good things to get to heaven, right? First off, there'd be very few people there, you know, but let's just say that's how it is. You know what would happen when we got to heaven? There'd be people up there going, well, I gave a million dollars to the church. We'd all be bragging about what we did to get there. Other people, I gave two million dollars to the church. Oh yeah, well, I was a Sunday school teacher for 40 years. Oh yeah, well, I was a deacon for 60 years. And we'd go on and on. And some would say, I had to sit through that youth pastor's preaching for two Sundays, or however many it was. Anyway, you understand the point. We'd be bragging, but that's not how it is. It's by grace, purely by grace that we get to go to heaven and be with Jesus forever or receive eternal life. And so not only does this grace save us, it sustains us. Uh, Paul, whenever he was going through a difficult time, he had the thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what it was. But, uh, you know, he, he asked God three times to remove this thorn. And God said, my grace is sufficient, meaning my grace is enough. It's more than enough. It will always be enough. And so his grace is sufficient to sustain us. Now, I know Mother's Day isn't necessarily a happy day for everyone, right? Mother's Day can be a tough day. Maybe it's because you've lost a child. Maybe it's because you were never able to have the child that you desperately wanted. The list goes on. Maybe you've lost your mom. I know Mother's Day isn't necessarily a happy day. I learned that a few years ago. Some, um, a nice mom pulled me aside and said, oh, Jeff, Mother's Day is not happy for everyone. And so I understand that. I just have a word for you this morning. The Lord will sustain you. He will encourage your heart. He will get you through this day. And I think he's even going to lift your spirit and give you joy because he sees your heart. He sees your mother's heart. He knows it's broken, and he wants to help heal that broken heart today. Um, not only that, the Lord says, I will carry you. So I was trying to find a picture to put with this. And um, it's not really the picture I was looking for, but I love the look on that baby's face right there. So I had to use this one. But I think of a mom carrying the baby, right? And they put it, and they just carry it so well. I can't even, like, redo it here. But, you know, a mom just carries it, they cuddles it, or, or even if it's a toddler, they split. Dads, we're, like, carrying them, like, under our arm, or we flip them over our shoulder or something like that, right? But not moms. Moms carry with love. Well, the Lord says, I want to carry you. It's interesting, uh, I, when I first saw this, my nephew and I saw this, I immediately thought of that poem, Footprints in the Sand. You, you guys heard this poem? It's from a number of years ago. Some of you may not even know about it. But back in the 70s, early 80s, it was real popular. Anyway, it's not scripture. It's based on scripture, I would say, to some degree. But in the poem, the guy's like walking on the beach with Jesus. And they get to the end of the beach, and he looks back, and he sees that at different times of his life, there was two sets of footprints or one set of footprints. And he, he sees, well, there's, there, in the happy times, I see two sets of footprints. 
But on the really tough times, I only see one set of footprints. You know, when it was really hard, I only see one set of footprints. And so he asked Jesus about it, and Jesus says, it was then, during those difficult times, that's when I carried you. I thought that's really good. I think it's based upon this passage here, or it could be from Deuteronomy chapter 1, which is uh, verses 30 and 31. And it says, this is where Jesus says, I will carry you. I am willing to carry you. I was willing to carry you. And what he's talking about is the journey through the wilderness for the children of Israel. So what had happened is, you may be familiar with the story, um, the children of Israel were stuck in Egypt on slavery for like 400 years. It was terrible. Um, they had to kill their own babies because, you know, by law they couldn't have male child, and so they had to kill their I mean, it was a terrible, terrible thing. Finally, God sets them free to go to the promised land, right? So here this land is promised. It'll be their own land, no overlords or any of that kind of stuff. And so it's going to be a great thing. The thing is, they got a journey to get there, and the journey is not going to be easy necessarily. Well, on the journey, it gets really hard, and a lot of the people are like, let's just go back to Egypt. <laughs> like, what? I mean, you're finally free of that, but they want to go back to Egypt, to something that they know and what's comfortable. Now, before we pick on them, right, we kind of do the same thing. Sometimes in our lives um, as Christians, God wants to take us to a really special place. He's got a really great promise for us, but that means we're going to have to go through a difficult season to get there. We get halfway through and we're like, I just want to go back to when it was easy and comfortable. And God says, trust me. Trust me. I have a great thing in store for you. Trust me. And just like a child implicitly trusts its mother, we need to trust the Lord. Know that what we're going through is going to work out for our good and for his glory. And so we trust him. The Lord says, I will carry you. Finally, the Lord says, I will rescue you. I know um, at some point, probably uh, if you're like me, uh, all, all of us kind of identify with some point in our lives need to be rescued from something, especially if you're a dude, because that's what boys do. We just do dumb things, right? One time we went to St. Petersburg Beach, Florida. I was a young man. I remember exactly how old I was. And uh, my, dad and my, my dad and I went out into the uh, Gulf of Mexico to do some swimming. And my dad, he, wasn't, he, was, he didn't have great health even at that point, but he couldn't see. My dad was blind. He went out in the ocean with me, and I, I was telling about these waves that were happening just a little bit further offshore. He's like, well, let's just stay here. Uh, and of course, what did I do? Okay. And I went right on out there anyway, right? Went straight for these waves. I get out to the waves, and then I start to realize why there's like waves there. Well, it's because there's some sort of current or something happening. I don't really know exactly what was happening, but there was some sort of current coming out of this, uh, this entrance, whatever it was. If I don't know even how to explain it. Either way, all I know is I could not get out of it. I was stuck. And like, I, it was completely overpowering me. I couldn't get out of it. My dad's like, get back over here. Where are you at? Because he couldn't see me. He couldn't see how far away I was or whatever it is. And I'm like, I'm trying. Of course, I didn't want to admit that I was stupid and got out there. And now I couldn't get back, right? And so I said, I'm trying. Well, in that moment, all of a sudden, this big dude, I don't know where he came from. I really don't. All of a sudden, this big dude comes over. I remember he reached out his hand. I grabbed his hand. And he just, just pulled me like nothing, like no problem. Just, just pulled me right over and brought me out of those waves. Reminded me, reminds me now of God's mighty hand, rescuing me from whenever I was a sinner, lost, unable to save myself, completely apart from him. God reached into my world, and with his mighty hand, he brought me and set me free. He rescued me from sin and death and hell and judgment. And if you're a believer, he's done the same for you as well. God wants to rescue you. He wants to save you from all of the, the challenges and the difficulties. Even as a Christian, we kind of get ourselves in messes sometimes, don't we? I know as I look around this room, and, and uh, statistics tell us that 
crowds this size, there's a certain percentage of people in this room who deal with things like addiction. And addiction is a powerful, terrible thing. It is absolutely chokes the life out of you, doesn't it? If you've experienced it, I've experienced addiction. I know what it's like. God has set me free. He rescued me. And he wants to rescue you. So if you're here and you're struggling with addiction, it could be any addiction. It could be drugs and alcohol, substance abuse. It could be gambling. It could be pornography. I mean, uh, it could be shopping. (laughs) Or it could be these uh, negative thought patterns, right? All you ever do is think negative thoughts about yourself. I'll never be good enough. I'll never measure up. I'll always be a loser. God wants to set you free from that. He wants to rescue you from that today. And so I encourage you call out to Jesus. Let him rescue you out of that darkness, out of that stronghold, out of that bondage, and get set free from that because he loves you very much. And he wants to rescue you from that. He wants to sustain you. He wants to carry you through this difficult season. He wants to breathe life into you. And there is life found in Jesus. Well, we'll finish, kind of wrap, start to wrap it up with this. You must be willing to accept God's love. Says Jesus spoke of wanting to protect Jerusalem like a hen protects her chicken from a chicken hawk, but he wouldn't force the Jews to accept them. He gave them a choice. He gave them a choice, but the Jews of that day made the wrong choice. And sadly, many people today still make the wrong choice, and they choose to reject Jesus. It's your choice. I mean, God loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to give you eternal life, forgive all of your sins, but. He's not going to force you to make this decision. It is your choice. Uh, recently, I was sort of about uh, 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 Coast Guard Lieutenant Ian McConnell. This was during Katrina, 2005. Hurricane Katrina comes upon New Orleans. It's a disaster. They send the Coast Guard in to rescue people, right? And so this is even before the storm stops. They're sending the Coast Guard in to rescue people from this terrible storm. And what was happening, they didn't even know what they were getting themselves into, into, to be honest with you. The news crews weren't there yet, right? They were flying into danger to rescue people. They flew three missions that day to rescue people. And, and missions are more than just one flight in and out. Each mission could have consisted up to 12 flights, um, you know. And so in the first 12, 24, 36 flights, out of that process, they saved 89 people. 89 people they rescued, three dogs and two cats, and so it was absolutely amazing. They were pumped. They were excited that they had saved all those people and rescued them. Well, they got orders to go back for a fourth mission. And so they went back. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. They flew in and out of New Orleans 12 times. You know how many people they rescued? None. As they would come up on people and they would offer this, this rescue to safety, the people refused. And they said, no, thank you. Just give us food and water. Many of those people, if not all, perished in that storm. And so here it was, a way out, a rescue, a way to be saved, and they said no. Well, same when it comes to Christ. God wants to save you, but it's your choice. He loves you very much. He wants to give you eternal life. He loves you so much, the Bible says, that he laid down his life for you. That if you will accept this free gift by believing in him, Bible says you can have eternal life. See, the problem is we're all sinners. Every single one of us in this room has sinned against the holy God. And because of that, the Bible tells us we deserve to be separated from him forever in a place called hell. But God didn't, God was not content with that, right? He loves people. 
And so he sent Jesus to come and to lay down and pay, to lay down his life, to pay the price, to pay our sin debt that we owe. The Bible says if we confess faith in Jesus, we will be saved. And so I want to offer you today a way of salvation, a way to be saved from sin and death and hell and separation from God forever. You could be saved. You could be given eternal life, joy, peace, like real life. God offers that to you today. I hope you will, will, will take me up on this offer, on his offer of salvation. Maybe I should say it that way. So if you're here today, you've never met Jesus, and here in just a moment, the musicians are going to come, and they're going to sing a song, and I'll be waiting down front, and I want to make this offer to you. Take the step of faith today. Step out and say, Jeff, I want to give my heart and life to Jesus. I know it can be somewhat intimidating in this large room with a lot of people, right? I know it can be, but I'm still telling you what, everybody in this room is going to celebrate if you take this step of faith. I encourage you today. If you've never met Jesus, take the step of faith and say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I just give you praise. You're absolutely awesome and amazing. Thank you for all that you have done for me um, and for this church and all that you're continuing to do. You are amazing. But Father, if there's someone here today who's never professed faith in Jesus, who's never given their heart and life to you, who's never received your free gift of eternal life, Father, I just pray that you would draw them to you today, that you would, that you would help them to understand how much you love them and what the offer is today. Father, help us to understand your love, to understand your plans and your purposes, and help us to find life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.